Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the True Condos Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew LaFleur, and thank you for listening. On today's show, we have a very special guest, Sharon Goldberg. Sharon is the Managing Director of Dash Property Management. Dash is actually the in-house property management company at uh, my brokerage, Remax Condos Plus. And they've got hundreds and hundreds of clients whose properties they manage. Many of those clients are from overseas and non-residents. So Sharon's really an expert in the rental market and in property management and in working with uh, international non-resident investors. So if that's you uh, listening today, especially, you definitely want to listen to this interview to understand some of the implications that um, there are uh, if you are a non-resident of Canada. Certainly, Canada is very open uh, to international money. We are. Uh, that's one of the great things about being the democracy that we are. Uh, your money is welcome here, but there are certain things you do have to be aware of and certain rules that you do have to comply with, especially when it comes to uh, taxation and dealing with uh, Revenue Canada. So we will get to that um, interview in a moment, but first just wanted to continue the trend we've been doing the past few episodes, talking about a particular article that's in the news right now about the condo market. So I'm going to include a link to this in the show notes for today's episode. The show notes will be over at truecondos.com slash Sharon. That's S-H-A-R-O-N. And this is from the CBC. It was picked up, this story, by a few different papers, but um, two different media outlets. But the CBC, a headline, Downtown Living is the New Normal, report says. Subheading employers move to urban cores to attract qualified workers and retail follows. So this was a report that PricewaterhouseCoopers put out and the nonprofit Urban Land Institute put out. And they're basically saying that, listen, this whole urban living thing, uh, it's here to stay. This is a major trend. It's something that's not going away. Um, And what we're finding, uh, certainly on the ground as realtors working uh, in the downtown core, we're finding that the millennials, uh, people born 1985 or later, um, they're a very interesting group of people and they're really driving the... uh, boom in the condo rental market downtown. So these people do not want to live in the suburbs. They want to live in the downtown. They want to live close to work. They want convenience. Um, it's interesting. They're not, they're uh, delaying major life decisions such as buying a car, uh, getting married, having children, buying real estate. They tend to want to rent rather than to buy. This is all good news for downtown condo investors. Uh, what they love is freedom of time and freedom of money. Those things they value above uh, the things that maybe their parents or the previous generations have valued, such as you know status symbol, uh, material possessions like cars, houses, condos. Uh, in terms of owning those things, they uh, they use Zipcar rather than own a car. They rent their condos rather than buy them. Um, and this is driving rental prices up in the core, despite the fact that. Uh, if you, again, and we talked in previous episodes how the number of rentals this year and the last year is is up, you know, 20 to 30% depending on the quarter over the previous year. And yet condo rental prices continue to go up. So how can this be? The number of 
uh, condos rent has, has gone up so significantly, but yet the prices continue to go up. Well, this is, this is the trend that we're seeing and this is going to continue to happen. So sort of the white picket fence, uh, the house in the suburbs, detached and all that, uh, it's just not on their radar screen. Uh, more important to the, these people is you know, a good spot to find a, a falafel and a soy latte sort of thing that's uh, within a five-minute walk of your, of your apartment. They like to move around. They, you know, they want to live at Bay and Bloor this year, and next year they want to try out, uh, you know, King and Spadina. Uh, so when you're renting, you're very flexible, and you can move around, move about the city. Uh, you can change jobs quickly. You know, you're not tied to any particular employer. You can quit your job and, and start your own business and do your own thing on the side. Uh, again, it comes back to the values that they have around freedom of time, freedom of money. So what are the takeaways for you as an investor looking at the condo market in Toronto? Well, what I'd say is you want to continue to focus on the core of the city. Um, I've been saying this for years. Uh, don't, uh, don't fall for the, uh, the fool's gold, as it were, of the suburban areas. When it comes to investment, this is. Uh, suburban areas and uh, even, even areas that are on transit lines, on the subway line, but they're not in the core. Uh, those areas uh, can be okay. You might do all right, but you're always going to do better investing in the core. Um, because of this trend that we're talking about. So you want to focus on areas with great retail close by, great restaurants close by, and in particular, and we talk about this actually in the interview with Sharon, grocery stores. Don't underestimate the importance of having a good grocery store within a couple of minutes walk of your property, or even better, right in the building itself. Uh, that's sort of the ultimate rental property. And of course, you want to be a buy and hold investor. Um, forget about this flipping nonsense, buy and hold, especially if you're buying in these locations in the core. Rents are going to continue to go up, and 20 years from now, you're going to thank me uh, if you listen to that advice and you buy and hold. Um, the, uh, the core of Toronto is just going to continue to outperform and appreciate at a very nice clip in the long term. So uh, that's enough for me for this week. I'll uh, check out the show notes for a link to that article. And uh, let's get to the interview. Here is Sharon Goldberg. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Sharon Goldberg. Sharon is the Managing Director of Dash Property Management. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, and uh, looking forward to talking to you about your experience as a property manager here in the in Toronto and working with investors, both um, local investors as well as international investors. So, why don't we start by if you can just tell us a little bit about your story, your background, um, where you're from, and and how you got started in real estate. Well, it's quite interesting. I got, I got to Toronto by a fluke 13 years ago to uh, graduate. Uh, my accounting degree at York University. And as I uh, pursuing my CA designation, I, uh, I was contacted by uh, different uh, investors who bought uh, condominium units in Toronto and were looking for uh, someone to manage their portfolio, their units. And uh, from a quick research I've done, I really couldn't find someone that uh, was uh, geared to offer those services to those uh, investors. 
And uh, quickly, I realized there is a potential to open a, a rental management uh, services company. And uh, that's how kind of uh, Dash uh, was created. Okay, so sort of similar story to a lot of entrepreneurs where you saw a need in the marketplace that wasn't being filled or wasn't being filled properly and you decided to just do it yourself and start the company. That's right. The, the initial group was non-residents and for them, uh, one of the key elements was uh, someone that uh, can file their taxes and uh, make it a very uh, smooth transition for them uh, being uh, so far away. And um, with my knowledge, with my uh, some experience in the field, I managed to uh, put a package for them to uh, offer them a turnkey solution from A to Z that they, other than buying the property, they didn't have to uh, look for anything else. So why don't we jump right into that in terms of international investors, because a lot of people listening um, to this podcast are not in Canada, um, non-residents or international investors looking at getting into uh, Toronto condos and investing in Toronto condos. What are some of the things that um, you would go through with a new investor? What are the, some of the things that people need to know about and what are the services that you provide as property management? I think for and foremost, non-resident investors, uh, even Canadian investors should know that Toronto's rental market is a very solid market. Uh, the, the real estate is doing very well. It's uh, very tightly monitored by different levels of government and obviously by uh, the private sector. Um, and from there, once they feel comfortable, I think uh, what we offer them is uh, really a hassle-free uh, tool, a vehicle that will take them uh, from uh, buying the property to generating cash flow. And uh, for us to be really their um, eyes and ears to make sure the property is well looked after, the rent is uh, fully collected, that the rent is uh, at the maximum levels that uh, at market. And um, at any given time, if there is anything wrong happening with a the property, they have someone that uh, would represent their best interest. And what about like from the taxation point of view, dealing with Revenue Canada, um, you know, what, what, what does an international investor need to know about the rules around income from rents and, and filing income taxes and, and, and all those sorts of things? Typically talking, the government requires any non-resident uh, owner of a property in Canada that uh, generates rent to uh, pay 25% of the gross rent uh, f at the end of the month for 15 days at the end of the month. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the year to file a tax return. And uh, when you sell, there is a capital gain. What we offer, we offer uh, a solution that would uh, look after those withholding taxes at a 25% on a monthly basis on behalf of those non-resident Okay, investors. so that's an important first point, I think. So 25% of the monthly income uh, is withheld. Correct. From the, so you, you hold on to that as property manager or, no. you, or you remit that to CRA di directly on behalf of the, your clients before you can give them a, cut them a check or give them a, the, the balance. Exactly. So we open for each client an individual tax account with Revenue Canada. And this account, uh, that's where we remit all those 25% uh, withholding taxes. And then at the year end, we file an actual tax return. And if there is any amount owing, uh, the client would make the difference. And if there is a credit, uh, Revenue Canada will submit uh, a check back to the client. Right. And so... 
Uh, is there anything else with regards to what somebody needs to know with regards to ongoing rental of the property or is that pretty much it? And then it's just, it's just a matter of when you sell it, you have that, the capital gains question. There is a capital gain. I think, uh, there is a common mistake that many, uh, foreign investors think that they can rent the place and then look into the tax solutions and, uh, it comes back to bite them. Uh, in many cases they have a, a relative or a friend down here that is looking after the tax issues for them. Uh, and without knowing, they get into trouble uh, and they're deemed as their tax agent for those non-residents for no reason. Um, and we we strongly recommend to uh, consult a tax uh, accountant or a, a tax advisor. Uh, we are always uh, there if someone needs uh, a help and explain exactly how to be the best way to uh, structure those um, remittances and withholding and uh, avoid those uh, unnecessary penalties and interest. So like you said, a big mistake a lot of investors make is they they just jump right in, purchase a unit, start renting it out without having a, a tax plan in place, without talking to somebody like you or an accountant who can set them up properly so they don't have headaches and, and fines and penalties down the road with the CRA? Correct. Otherwise, the, the downside is... When you sell the property, uh, the lawyer that acts on your behalf, knowing that you're a non-resident, would have to withhold 25% of the gross sale price uh, and not just the profit. And in order to get uh, a portion of it back, you have to make sure that you comply with all your tax uh, going back while you were renting the property. And if you haven't done so, Revenue Canada will take their time to issue any refund to you. And what we do, just by sending the client properly from the get-go, and filing the capital again at uh, the end of the transi- uh, transaction when the property is sold, we're able to expedite the re- rebate to the client and minimize their taxes as well. That's great. And you work with a lot of international investors. What about local um, investors as well here in Canada or even in Toronto? Who's your typical client or why do people come to you as opposed to managing it themselves? No, it's, a, it's a great question. I think... Tro- Toronto and, and real estate specifically in Toronto became um, a commodity. People buy uh, real estate because uh, that's uh, a better avenue for them to do uh, an investment. They realize that it's easy to uh, liquidate, sell, and rent. Um, and I think today our portfolio is uh, pretty much uh, split evenly between uh, Canadians and non-residents. Uh, so you're about half and half now. You started originally, you said, with uh, every, all your clients were... That's right. People from overseas, but now it's about 50-50. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, different reasons people uh, invest in Toronto. I think uh, one is the fact that Toronto is a, is a safe market relatively. People think that in the long run, their money would uh, appreciate and the, the return is uh, kind of guaranteed. Um, the other reasons is for uh, their kids in the future. Uh, they're either uh, tax planning, uh a gift when they will get older and uh, they'll be able to set up their kids uh, in the future. And some of them uh, just for um, assisting their kids when they go to school. Uh, so they have a place to uh, to crash. What do you think, speaking of like demand, in your, you know, you've been doing this for, I guess, about 13 years, is it? Correct. So what is driving, do you think, the demand still for Toronto from an international perspective? Uh, and have you seen a change in what's driving the demand from when you started to today? If you try globally to compare Toronto to other uh, big um, city, uh, you'll see Toronto is still trading at the lower uh, prices uh, 
per square foot, uh, especially if you do it uh, in the U.S. versus uh, New York or Miami or L.A., uh, even Chicago. You'll find out that Toronto is uh, a much cheaper. Toronto uh, offers a very low vacancy rate. I think it goes currently in around the 1.3%, 1.2%. And that's uh, obviously including the uh, outside boundaries and uh, a, a suburban territories as well that we call. Uh, but in the court, the demand is uh, is very strong. It's very solid. We see an ongoing increase in rents. Uh, for the last few years, uh, increases in some pockets were double digits. And um, we don't see much of a change coming uh, towards us, even though there's uh, a, a good pipeline of good large projects uh, under development and some new ones that are going to be completed in the next five to 10 years. There is a natural growth to the city. Uh, Internally, within Canada, people are migrating to uh, uh, Toronto and lots of international uh, uh, traffic as well. And Have you seen, like, from when you started, let's say 2001, like, what were some of the reasons why people were really buying in Toronto then um, compared to now? Or is it really this, or is it the same story, really? It's Toronto seen as a, a safe sort of growing slowly and securely kind of a place as opposed to a lot of cities around the world are a lot more volatile and there's a lot more ups and downs and that sort of thing and so they're driven to the security is that what you see i think currently it's it's definitely the security that is a big driver uh, back then uh, there were different reasons mainly the canadian dollar was very uh, affordable it was trading at about 50 percent less than the u.s dollar um, and most of the buyers that came here were either uh trading in U.S. or living in U.S. dollar currency. And then the big lift, the big leverage uh, uh, against the Toronto market. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the key factor, the prices in Toronto back then were so much more affordable. You could buy back in 2001 properties for about um, 250 bucks per square foot, including parking in key areas. Today, the cost of construction is probably times and a half just for the just to build it alone exactly. not including land costs yeah and, and profit obviously mm -hmm. yeah um how what are you seeing in the rental market what trends are you seeing in the rental market right now 2014 um what's hot what's not what uh you know being a managing hundreds of properties what are you seeing if you travel across the city for the last six months, the biggest thing is traffic. And it's not getting uh, better. We see uh, more and more uh, uh, roads closures uh, in TTC. It's not the most efficient tool, but it's currently the only one that we have. And uh, so definitely uh, being close to uh, a subway line and efficient transportation, public transportation, it's it's key. Uh, and. Uh, We'll see how this is going to develop in the city that's definitely going to dictate uh, the future development uh, of Toronto. Uh, I think a part of that, there are um, uh, some neighborhoods that are going through uh, quite a big change. Uh, look at that, uh, looking uh, in and around the future Pan American uh, game site. Um, so the east, east side of downtown, there's lots uh, happening there. Um, I personally think that uh, over the last few years, we, we focused more, uh, I mean, as investors, as uh, real estate players, 
on the small stuff just because it was cheaper and it was easier to rent. Right, so small units and a big trend. Developers are building more and more studios, one bedrooms. They've shifted away in the past couple of years from two bedrooms. Um, but I see this trend coming back, I think. You think it's swinging back the other way now? Right. One bedrooms used to go for 12, 1300 a month. Uh, now they're closer to 1650, 1700, depends where you rent. Uh, whereas the two bedroom units are in and around the 22, 23, 2400. Uh, so it makes much more uh, economic sense for uh, roommates to uh, get together and, uh, right. and share two, two people bedroom. to share. Yeah, affordability is it's always key. a factor. You always got to, as an investor, you've always got to look at affordability trends and you know where is where can you be providing a product, uh, your condo that is affordable to the most number of people. That's right. And so you look, you're seeing, are you seeing that happening? Like are, are two, you know, young people teaming up and, and renting a two bedroom more as opposed to five years ago, they would just each take a one bedroom by themselves? Definitely. I think it became much more popular, at least in our portfolio. And I see that there is, um, I mean, two bedrooms allows you more flexibility in a sense that if you have a couple that lives there or two roommates, one moves out, the other one kind of get together and, and decides to grow a family uh he can stay he or she can stay within the same two bedroom and carry on for a longer period which is a great thing for the investor for the property owner with the one bedroom your options are quite limited in a sense that it's you know you can outgrow the space quite quick uh and then it probably dictates that you'll have a, a quicker turnover of tenancies uh versus a two bedroom where one plus den that the den uh, is key only if you can use it as a second bedroom right what do you think about dens as second bedrooms? I mean, a lot of developers are building their projects now or selling the floor plans where the den can be used as a second bedroom. Are you seeing that demand for that type of product from, you know, in the real, in the, in the market? I think, first of all, we have to kind of define what is a den because we can go to 10 different developments and a den can be a, a full bedroom and knock on the wall. Yeah. or just a, a wider corridor, and uh, some developers call it a den. So, I mean, to us, a den is really a room that you can use it as an office, as a second bedroom. Some of them uh, can be used as a dining if it's close by or it's in the right layout. Uh, but a den is a great play, and I think it allows you uh, a great flexibility considering the design is there. Um, and in some cases, it ends up to be uh, a, a very good investment uh, compared to a uh, one-bedroom or a two-bedroom as well. What about furnished rentals? Curious to hear your opinion on furnished rentals because some people believe that furnishing their condo and selling, you know, renting it furnished, looking for that uh, so-called executive tenant um, is the way to go because they're going to get much higher rents per month um, I talked to you about this before. Why don't you share with your opinion on furnished rentals and is it, is it worth it? So furnished, uh, about 20% of our portfolio is furnished units. And I think uh, years ago, uh, furnished units was a, a very good option for investors. Like when was it a great option? You say years ago, like two years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago? We see a decline trend in, in a uh, declining returns, trend. About the last four years. And the reason being to furnish a place now uh, is much cheaper than it what it used to be with the different stores and the different options that you have out there. 
uh, and just because there is so much more competition, the premium that you can charge on a furnished unit is significantly less than what you used to. So uh, what happened? Like, did everybody four years ago, everyone jumped on the for furnished bandwagon and there were just a lot more furnished rentals out there and the demand just didn't keep up with it? I think that's one reason. Many people thought that it's easy to run a, a furnished unit business and they uh, furnished the unit with, through a store like Ikea for 5,000 bucks and thought everyone is going to follow and pay the extra three, 400 bucks a month. And then it, they found out that it's not the case. Um, I think the key element is as you go to a furnished business um, is to find out that the building has all the utilities included. Otherwise, it's an added expense as a landlord. You can't really forecast how much you're going to end up with paying. Um, getting a building that has enough amenities, because usually people who tend to go into furnished units, they're in between going into an hotel option, but they want something cheaper and to feel much more uh, a a cozy. Uh, and therefore they go to a, to a condo and uh, you would like to be in the core area by uh, a, a subway line or by uh, a big employment zone, uh, mainly in the financial district, because this is the type of crowd that is looking to stay on a year, six or three months uh, period. Right. So, yeah, where would you say the boundaries are for you, like the sweet spot to be geographically if you are going to furnish a unit? I would try to stay south of uh, Bloor and in between um, Church, Spadina, uh, and down to uh, Front Street. So Waterfront, for example, you don't you, you'd want to stay away from that area, probably. You want to be very you want it. Sounds like you're you're making a circle around the the financial district. Right, and I think the reason is uh, the people who come new to the city and they go down to the waterfront and their life focus is work here under contract uh, they see the physical barrier between the waterfront and the financial district the walk that you have to do to cross uh, under the gardener uh, so for them it's not really uh, walkable feasible and you know, we all agree that if you come in the winter and you try to go through this experience of walking from the waterfront to the financial district it's a big uh, pushback it's freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's windy, yeah. But you do have the South Core area around Maple Leaf Square. There's a lot more uh, commercial buildings are going up around there as well. Right. I guess that you think that's going to be that could be a good spot as well. I think it's in the years to come. Well. Yeah. 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 I mean, Maple Leaf is doing very well. Uh, you know, I can uh, I can only forecast that Ice One and Ice Two will do well as well. Um, so this entire pocket was uh, a you know different few years ago. And now with uh, some of the new office buildings that were uh, completed, it's definitely uh, a great spot to go in. Mm -hmm. I know you're a condo investor yourself, so can you share with us your opinions or your advice for condo investing in general? What do you look for in a building, in a location, in a unit type right now? I mean, there are the basic fundamentals, price, size, uh, location, etc. Uh, the one other aspect that people typically uh, not considering, at least I didn't experience with working with different uh, investors, uh, the uniqueness factor. Toronto had so much supply coming up over the last 15 years. Um, and you try to kind of differentiate yourself from, from the general uh, competition. So um, if it's a building that is predominantly controlled by one and one plus then size units, uh, 
I, w- I would seriously consider going for a two bedroom or a large two bedroom uh, pending the location and uh, and vice versa if you go to a building that is a boutique building and has uh, large units and there are a few uh, small units I would uh, look into the small units because at the end of the day uh, you have you're living in a in a competitive market and uh, prices prices is one thing but you know if you want to be in, in um, in a certain area and uh, there aren't too many large units, you can ask a premium if you own one of those large units. So necessarily it's going to fall in the same scheme of three bucks per square foot. Um, you'll be able to uh, probably rent. For rental, yeah, exactly. $3 per square foot as, right. a, as, a, as a ballpark rule of thumb, rental rate for downtown right. prime locations. And I, definitely it would help you when you uh, decide one day to sell. Um, so uniqueness is definitely uh, a kind of uh, a non-science factor that uh, I'm looking into when I'm uh, a considering investments. And over the years, I picked up uh, a various uh, condos in various projects, trying to diversify it from uh, different uh, intersections, different areas in the city that would uh, accommodate uh, different type of crowds. And I think the key element is really to... Uh, get someone who knows what uh, they're doing, um, someone who can kind of steer them in the right direction, the investors, uh, give them the full picture. I mean, buying a condo in Toronto is as easy as going to a supermarket and picking up your groceries. And the nice thing is that you have those 10 days to change your mind, whereas there is no penalty and you're not going to be held uh, to your contract. But uh, take your time, get the option, secure uh, a unit first, and then start doing your research because... Many people lose the opportunity by researching and being afraid to actually sign the APS, the agreement of purchase and sale, and not knowing that you have the option to walk away. So yeah, definitely, if you feel that real estate is for you, walk in and uh, remember you have 10 days to uh, do your uh, proper due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a final question, sort of make you think a little bit, put you on the spot. Is there is there any question that nobody has ever asked you about yourself or about your company or about the real estate market in general, but that you wish that somebody would? Wow. Well, this, this is definitely a question no one asked me so far. <laughs> this uh, question, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think for us, uh, you know, the biggest uh, challenge is always to, uh, to create value to our clients. Uh, and um, in some cases, uh, people always feel that, uh, everything is going to work out on its own and uh, 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 sometimes getting the the manager on site is probably not um, uh, necessary and they always find us when things are going downhill and then has to bail them either on the tax level if they have issues with the tenants. Uh, So I always treat ourselves as kind of an insurance policy for our clients Uh, and uh, knowing that they have us here is only to uh, protect them and um, I think later on, we co- probably property managers in, in general as an industry would be kind of a, uh, a hand tool solution for all investors because going and buying real estate without knowing how to manage it would be a difficulty. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is, uh, there is lots uh, that we can do on, uh, on behalf of uh, landlords to improve their uh, portfolio holdings. That's great. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, Sharon, what's the best way for 
people to reach you or where can they find you online? Uh, we can uh, we can be uh, found either uh, through our website. It's dash D-A-S-H propertymanagement.com or uh, simply uh, call our office 416-222-6175 and any of our uh, staff members would be able to assist you. Great. Thank you. I'll definitely include a link to... Um, to the website on the show notes for this episode. And I just want to thank you again, Sharon, for your time and uh, appreciate your insights today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Great. And hopefully we can have you on the show again soon. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with Sharon Goldberg of Dash Property Management. Hope you enjoyed that and hope you took something from that. Uh, once again, if you'd like to get a hold of Sharon directly or if you have any questions, you can uh, check out the show notes for this episode, truecondos.com slash Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for, su- for supporting the show. If you have any feedback for me, you can always email me, andrew at truecondos.com. You can always leave a comment on the website. You can find me on Twitter. Basically, I'm very easy to get a hold of, so don't be shy. And uh, if you do like the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you'd leave me a review on iTunes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.